gosh, I, would, I forgot I even had that in my pack. Well, that's not as as poor, man. I, if Joe flicked my ear, I'd, I'd probably kind of come in the forehead. Welcome back to the Kafaro cast. Today I have Heath and Lindsay with On Track, and you guys are uh, here in the studio to talk about your role in finding or recovering game using tracking dogs. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, we we track for mainly anybody who's wounded an animal, whether it be elk, moose, deer. Uh, we tracked a ram last year. We, we can track everything in this state legally, uh, except a bear. Okay. Yeah. And so where are you guys based out of? Uh, we're based out of Bailey, Colorado. Okay. Uh, now up under the Rocky Mountain Big Game Recovery, uh, we have a lot of trackers up under that, uh, 501C and they're spread out throughout the state and even up into Wyoming and Utah as well. Okay. And so when you're talking about, uh, Rocky Mountain Tracking, is that what it was called? Rocky Mountain Big Game Recovery. Rocky Mountain Big Game Recovery. Yeah. You are one of the founding members or are you on the board? Yeah, or? I'm the vice president. Vice president. Yeah. And does it have, let me see, let's see if I'm phrasing this right. Does it have a, uh, like a governing body or is it something that you guys have kind of created to get the word out there about it? We've created the 501C. Um, and then we've been asked to be a part of the uh, the Colorado Wildlife Conservation Project. So okay. it's uh there's some heavy hitters involved with that. You know, SCI, um, Rocky Mountain uh, Elk Foundation, and a few other ones as well. So uh, hopefully we get voted into that as well. So it's just a big uh, conservation uh, effort. And if you were to take somebody who had no idea of what you guys did, what would be your kind of like elevator pitch to get them in the door? Uh, the elevator pitch would be, hey, you've you've shot an animal. Uh, you've done everything you could to find it, and you can't find it, and you can't find the animal. You call us, and, and we're going to come out, and we're going to put our dogs on it and see if it's recoverable. And when you were talking about, uh, and I guess this is, uh, we were kind of chatting before the podcast started that, you know, this is everyone's question is about like the legality of that being somebody who's hunted in Colorado for the, you know, better part of like a decade. I had no idea that was legal at all. Right. So, uh, can you go into a little bit more detail about that? Explain that. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the law was passed back in June of 2016. Um, and, and, and the law is basically this. So, we can track, and it has to be on a leash. The dog has to be on a leash. Uh, it's one handler per dog. Uh, we have to we have to get a tracking permit through Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Uh, it's forty dollars a year. So when we receive that call, we're going to be asking specific questions from the hunter. We're going to need the hunter's full name, the CID number, uh, what he's hunting, what unit he's in, because we're having to report. Before we take a track, we got to report all that information to CPW, and then after the track, we got to report back to CPW if if it, if we recovered the animal. Okay. Yeah. And is is this for all lands in Colorado or private lands, public lands? This is all lands. Yeah. Okay. And so, I mean, yeah, uh, I I guess since it's such a recent law, a lot of people don't realize that that's actually something you can do. Right. Right. And last year, I think Rocky Mountain Mid Game Recovery had over a hundred calls. And maybe two or three 
were somebody from here in Colorado. So it was everybody out east where they're used to tracking dogs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They immediately get on United Blood Trackers, go to find a tracker in the state. And then there's a whole list of us here in Colorado and they just start calling everybody. Interesting. So is it something you guys saw a need for after the 2016 bill? Have you been in dog tracking for a long time back out east? Or is like, how did you guys get into this? No. So how I got into it is, uh, we can back up a little bit. Yeah. So uh, I grew up in the south and we would go uh, deer hunting in Illinois, southern Illinois, public land during the rut. And I had a buddy who was starting a tracking business. He was out of Kentucky. His mm -hmm. name's Lance. He started on track. K9 Deer Recovery. And I tried a I tried a good buck that year back in 2017 and uh made made a bad hit. So I called him out. I got to watch his dog work. Uh that's kind of what me, got me excited about it. So when I moved out here, I moved to Colorado in 2019. Um in the South, you can hunt all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. you got lots of tags. I'm from Texas originally. Okay. Yeah. So when I moved here, there wasn't as much opportunity, mm -hmm. right? So I needed, I wanted to do something else that would put me back out into the mountains uh, more, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, I'd contact Lance and asked him about it. I started digging around, found out it was legal. And then Scott Gillespie, who's the president of Rocky Mountain Big Game Recovery, at, at the time, it was just a Facebook group, okay? Uh, so I started asking questions, you know, him, and we started kind of, kind of putting it together and building it up. And, uh, yeah, I started training my dog last June. Uh, it, she found her first elk at five months old. Dang. Yeah. Yeah, she wasn't even uh, potty trained yet. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty uh, awesome. Yeah, so uh, we did quite a few calls. Uh, unfortunately, I was I took the whole month off of September last year to, uh, to elk hunt myself, so I was getting a lot of calls I couldn't personally take. Yeah. Um, so that's usually when all the calls come in, though, since archery season for sure. Yeah, people probably coming out here for the first time, or maybe you know they're not super experienced with hunting elk or shooting in the you know in the mountains. Yeah, yeah. So you know, not not necessarily always easy to find, even if you do make a great shot. Oh, absolutely, for sure. Is there? Uh, so you mentioned your your dog was trained pretty recently. Was there a specific dog that you guys are looking for? Are you guys using hounds exclusively, or everybody kind of has their own type of dog? Um, I run Bavarian Mountain Hounds. I've never even heard of that dog. Um, yeah, so it's it's a mix between I believe it's a Hanover Hound and a Plot Hound. Okay, uh, they're out of Germany. Uh, they 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 bred them that way because they're more agile in the mountains. Mm -hmm. uh, great tracking dog, but uh, Lindsay she she uses a uh, a, a black, black lab. Black lab yeah. yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I, I wonder if I could teach my black lab to do this. <laughs> I think you could teach any dog to do it as long as they have the drive for it. And so, Lindsay, how do you fit in this equation? Good question. So I got hooked up with Heath um, through a Facebook group as well. Um, my husband and I were out deer hunting and we came across a mountain lion kill, um, had taken down a big elk. And so I just thought it was pretty cool. I posted on this Facebook group and he contacted me. He's like, so where's that at? I got a big tag, cat tag. <laughs> I was like, I just need your social security number and your mother's maiden name and I'll give you the coordinates on Pronto. No. So uh, I just I thought it was pretty cool because he started talking. He's like, "Yeah, I got these these dogs that I use for, for blood tracking." I was like, "Oh, tell me more about that." Because I I didn't know much about it either. Um, I'm from the Midwest, and so Minnesota to be specifically, 
and it's legal there too. And everybody I've talked to, even there, like it, it doesn't even hit their radar. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of legislature is still pretty new in a lot of these states, especially as you get further out west. And so I didn't know much about it. And so um, I just love anything and everything to do with dog training. Mm-hmm. They fascinate me, love it. And so um, I was just like, hey, Heath, like I want to see what my dog has, what it takes to do this. And so we started tracking her a couple months ago and we're looking to get her certified um, this this uh, summer in August. So talking about certifica- certification, is there a process? Do you guys oversee the certification or is there kind of other people you look to for that? So the only certification is through United Blood Trackers. Uh, now, there's only some states that require your dog to be certified. Colorado does not require your dog to be certified, but it's just good to know that you have a certified dog. Um, you know they're on the right track. You know, Of course, training. yeah, because there's different levels as well. So is that, is there, where's that kind of based out of, do you, or can you go to any state and get your, you know, is there a, a, a part of that certified United Blood Trackers in each state or is there like a main office you have to go to? Yeah. So going back to Rocky Mountain Big Game Recovery. Mm-hmm. So what, once we created the 501C and, and, and really started growing, what we do is we'll hold yearly seminars. Uh, we got one coming up. July 23rd and 24th. It's on a private ranch in Wyoming. Um, people sign up to it. Um, they can come up. Uh, it's one full day of us giving uh, different training on what's in our pack, you know, what to look for, how to read your dog, stuff like that. Uh, the second day is testing your dog. So what we had to do for Rocky Mountain Game Recovery is we have to pay uh, certified United Blood Tracker judges to come out. We got to pay their way, pay their hotel, pay their food, hope they commit to come. Mm-hmm. And then they have to be the one that lays the track out, ages the track, and then judges the dog on the track. Okay, awesome. And where would somebody sign up for that? Uh, right now, you could go to uh, Rocky Mountain Big Game Recovery Facebook group. Okay. Uh, we, we got some ads on there of where to go. I think we're going to limit it to about 50 this year. So I think we're up to about 20 now. So we've got about 30 more places. Awesome. And yeah. we'll, we'll talk about that. I want to make sure we hit that at the end of the podcast too, okay. just to remind everyone if they want to get involved in that. Um, so you had, going back to you, Lindsay, you had no, did you have previous experience in hunting or? Yeah, I, I grew up hunting um, as a kid. My dad used to bring me out deer hunting, pheasant hunting, doing all that kind of stuff. And um, I just really took to it. And I kind of took it to the next level. <laughs> so I take my dad hunting now instead of him <laughs> taking me hunting. Uh, so I just I just got into it. And, and um, I find it it's it's very gratifying when you're able to harvest your own meat. And mm-hmm. that experience of being out in the woods, there's nothing like it. And, and elk hunting is is probably the biggest thrill for me, especially archery hunting for elk. It's been probably the greatest ride of my life on a couple hunting trips that I've had. Awesome. So, um, but yeah, I've, I've been in hunting, fishing my whole entire life. And so it's always been a passion of mine. And did you work with dogs, hunting dogs in a, like a previous capacity? Cause like, you know, for instance, my black lab, he's a bird dog, you know, pheasants and ducks like that. So I enjoy, I totally understand and enjoy the working with your dog in the field. Did you have experience with that in the past? Yeah, I grew up with, with English Springer Spaniels. My mom and dad bred them as I was a kid growing up. So those are the types of dogs that I'd always been around. Labs were a new thing for me. Um, 
we lost our oldest Springer Spaniel. I had two of them a couple of years ago. And so we wanted to get another dog and we were just kind of looking for something that was a little bit more versatile. And I was like, hey, I love to shed hunt too. I love doing all that kind of stuff, getting myself active year round. And so I always thought labs were, you know, good dogs. I'm like, God, everybody has them, you know? <laughs> the Honda Civic of dogs. <laughs> they are, they are. So um, I was a little hesitant about getting one, but I got turned on to a good, good uh, breeder that was local in our area and we got a puppy and she's been the best dog ever. So we got her on sheds. I'm super pumped for this shed season when it turns on to, to bring her out and test her out. But um, I have her on another training program because I do bird hunt too. Mm -hmm. So um, 52 plus from Cornerstone Gun Dog Academy. I'm doing that with her. So awesome. she's going through all that as well. So uh, I'm a training junkie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it helps that you have, I mean, such a dry and, well, and a dog that's kind of receptive to it as well. Oh, she's a workhorse for sure. Do you guys find that there's certain, not necessarily breeds, but just certain dogs that you can just kind of see in them or kind of tell early on they're going to be good at it? Uh, no, it's really... I mean, not for me. I haven't been doing it long enough to, to be able to notice that. There's There are some breeds that uh, every breed kind of tracks different when it comes to tracking. Like uh, like uh, Lindsay's dog, when it's running a bloodline, it won't, it, it, it just don't run it straight. She kind of zigzags the line, which is fine. You may miss a turn here or there, but she's... It's a very well-driven dog, and she stays on the track. Whereas my Bavarians will, they'll stay right, right on the track, or just upwind of it, nose to the ground the whole way. Her dog's nose to the ground, but it's just a zigzag pattern, right? Uh, there, there's some dogs that are more apt to uh, air scent, so they'll okay. lift their head up in the air and try to scent it and you don't really want that whenever you're tracking for blood you want them to have the nose on the, on ground. the ground yeah yeah and so you were talking about earlier part of the legislation requires you guys have the dogs leashed absolutely they cannot come off the leash and is there a requirement for the length of leash i mean you guys are you leading these dogs on like a really short little leash or is it you know you give no, them a little bit of it's usually um i don't think there's a requirement for it but we usually use the 30 foot okay yeah and is there is I only say this because I've had the times I've had my dog on a leash in the woods. It seems about half my life is spent untangling them yes. from trees. Uh, they they make a kind of leash now. It's on uh, UnitedBloodTrackers.org website. Okay, uh, but it's like a how would you describe it, Lindsay? It's almost like a like a pliable rubber, almost like it's very slick, so yeah. it don't get caught on stuff. It just oh, okay. slides right through stuff. Yeah. I might have to just get one for standard. Yeah, yeah. it's like every two seconds they're tangled up in something. Right, right. Is that part of the training process, or is it like just proper, I guess, leash etiquette for the dogs, like learning how to not go get wound up behind a tree or something like that? Not really, because you don't want to distract them from doing their job on on the scent trail. So you're going to let them work, and you as a handler just got to kind of watch your dog, reach your dog, and then you just got to deal with that mess. It it sucks when it gets into, like, uh, we did a track last year. It was in some heavy uh, downfall. Mm. Yeah. The dog was jumping tree to tree and then would dive down into the trees to smell, jump back up, and then me, I'm trying to catch the leash <laughs> as it's going. It's, it's it's It can be tough. Oh, I can only I can only imagine. <laughs> Um, so when you guys are getting your first dog or you're, you're training a new dog, what are, what are the, some of the first steps? I mean, how do you even get them to start doing it? 
So right now I'm training, uh, I'm training, I think they're 10 or 11 weeks old. I got two more. I'm training one's my male and then one's for uh, a client. Uh, so what you do is you start off very strong blood, like a lot of blood, right? Uh, very short, straight line. Just sorry to interrupt. And where are you, is this like, can you get like pig's blood from the butcher or are you getting like fresh? Like, are you having to go get a raccoon or, or yeah, save a, blood from a deer? Yeah. Well, that's what I was doing. I was, um, trying to save as much from deer and elk as I could. And then when I thawed out the steaks, I would drain the blood, dilute it down. But now that I'm training, uh, all these other dogs, um, uh, I had to hit up Lucas from, uh, the meat cleaver. Oh, uh, okay. And he got me a five gallon bucket of blood. So I'm just I've never been so happy for a five gallon bucket of blood in my life. <laughs> but that's an interesting smell when you pop open a five gallon bucket of blood. Yeah. Well, the bad part is you got to run it through a blender because it's cow's blood and it coagulates a lot. So it's, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it's a messy day. <laughs> okay, so you're starting out with a big old bunch of blood just in one spot. No, no, no. You're running a line. Um, so you'd run, you know, for I started these dogs out at nine weeks old, uh, 20 yards, straight line. Uh, lay, lay it, give it 30 minutes. Uh, that's usually what we start at, 30 minutes. Uh, take them to the initial spot where it starts, and then you, you give whatever command you want to give, but it needs to be consistent, right? Okay. So for me, it's find it. Uh, and you just find it, find it. And then eventually they'll, they'll look around, they'll smell something and they'll follow it to the end. And then you physically hand them the treat. Okay. Uh, you give them that surprise, right? It's gotta be something they like, usually hot dog weenies, fresh <laughs> cut up elk, raw elk meat. Yeah. Uh, so then you're, you're instilling that in their brain that, Hey, if I follow this, I get a prize mm -hmm. and that's awesome. Uh, so you gradually make it harder, longer. Uh, you, you, you put in turns, um, backtracks, uh, you age it longer, uh, as they progress. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's something you have to watch and see. Uh, so usually you're taking notes on, on every training track you do, uh, how well they do, how long it took you to lay it, how long it took them to find it. Um, that's pretty important as well. What the wind direction is for when the dog's running it, you don't want it blowing them right in the face. You want, you want to have it blowing away so that they have to be forced to put their nose on the ground. Okay. Got it. Wow. So, yeah, it's, um, it's kind of in depth whenever mm -hmm. you, when you start thinking about it, but yeah, it's just a slow progression. Uh, after usually three months, you can have a dog, uh, at the UBT one level, uh, ready to start taking tracks for the general public. Okay. Wow. And with uh and even though you got them leashed are you guys running like gps collars on the dogs just to kind of keep an eye on where you guys are going when you're tracking them i do i do just in case something happens um you know it's great uh you want every dog to have a good recall so whenever you call them they come running right back mm -hmm. but you know in the mountains if if my dog takes off after something and the leash i lose the leash i want to know where she's at right so right I, do. I, I run a garmin on her Okay. Yeah. And I guess well, another question I was been thinking about is, do you ever have any problems or I'm sure, you know, you've run into, you're going to run into this at some point in time, but do you ever have any instances where the dog is doing such a good job of tracking an animal, even though that potentially someone has called you and it's been a while since the initial shot happened, mm -hmm. bumping animals, you know, this dog is running, it's, it's running and gunning, get trying to get there quick. And then all of a sudden you're just right on top of the animal. Do you guys ever have any problems with that? Or is it usually pretty, I mean, 
No, uh, you would probably have that problem with elk more than deer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason why I say that is uh, deer have a gland in their foot. It's an interdigital gland. Uh, when that deer is wounded, it puts off a pheromone, and that dog can read it and tell how hurt that dog, uh, the deer is, hmm. and they can track just from that hoof that specific deer so they know exactly what's going on. It's not that case. It's not the same with the elk. Elk do not have that, so they're going off of the blood scent and just elk scent in general. So last year I ran into, she was very young, but she ran into an instance where there was so much elk sign mm-hmm. that she didn't know what to do. And she was just running like crazy. And I, I was kind of excited. I'm like, man, she's never done this before. But there was just so much elk scent and not any more blood. She was just like, she lost. Didn't know. yeah, she yeah. was lost. And uh, so how many hunting seasons have you tracked in Colorado for? Last year was my first. It was yeah. the first year. Yeah. And how many times did you get called out? I probably, if I had to guess, I probably got about... 40 calls last year, maybe. And how, what, like, kind of percentage wise of how many were elk? Uh, three elk and three deer. And so, and, and, and a ram. And so, what were the rest predominantly if you were getting if 40 calls? Say, say that again. I'm sorry. What were the, if, if you got 40 calls, what were, what were the most animals that you were tracking? Like, what was the, the majority of them? Oh, uh, definitely elk. Definitely elk. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I got one moose, one ram. Uh, four or five deer, and the rest were all elk. And do you, when somebody calls you in, and you, you were saying at the beginning, oh, you have you're asking them a bunch of questions. Is there, are you disqualifying people? If somebody calls you in, you're like, nah, I can't help you, man. Yeah, yeah, uh, kinda. <laughs> because see, like Lance back in Kentucky for on track, he's gonna he's gonna ask the same kind of the same questions, right? He's just trying to paint that picture of what the hunter's seeing, what the hunter, what, what happened, you know? So he's asking like, you know, uh, was the animal broadside? Did you shoot it facing? What kind of broadhead were you, was you using? What was the reaction of the animal? Uh, did you hear it fall? Did you see it run? You know, all these questions. And we're just trying to paint that picture for, uh, for him. He's, he's just going to do that and tell you the, the percentage of likelihood of recovering that deer. Okay. But he'll still take the call. Here in the mountains, it's a little different because, you know, most of the calls I got last year, it was at least a three-hour one-way drive to get to. Right, right. When when we put our dogs, especially young dogs, on a track, we want that reward to be at the end. So we're kind of screening, you know, we, we want pictures. Did you uh, did you find your arrow? We want pictures of the arrow. How much did you grid search? It's huge. So... <laughs> It's tough to be in this position and tell hunters don't grid search. But if you want the bet success, if you plan on it, like if you lose blood and you got cell phone service, call us for your grid search. We'll ask you the questions. If we can come out, just stand by. We'll come out. Because once you start grid searching, you start walking over microscopic blood particles. And then you're spreading it all around. And when that dog gets to that point, it don't know what to do because it just smells the blood everywhere. Uh, so that's usually the biggest thing. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times for elk, I've noticed, especially for out-of-staters, which is majority of what I got last year is, um, I think the hunters just like get way too excited. 
it happened to me my first year. Mm-hmm. It's a big animal. It comes in. The adrenaline's pumping. Most of the time, they'll tell you it's a broadside shot. Uh, it's almost never a broadside shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, just from uh, experience, it's almost always quartering some way. Yes, 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 for sure. And so when, like you were saying, you want to make sure that reward's there for the dog. Mm-hmm. Are you, what is your recovery percentage when the dog gets on the trail, general? Uh, so a good percentage overall across the country is 40%. Really? Yeah. If you're if you're hitting forty percent, you're doing good, and, and that's just because you know the animal may not be mortally wounded. Mm-hmm. Uh, the animal may run on the private property. Uh, there, there's a lot of scenarios. Uh, the animal got bumped. There's a lot of scenarios that go into that forty percent um, recovery success. Uh, last year, I think we was see. I, I took six calls. Yeah, found three animals. So that's. 50%, but she didn't do a lot of calls either. The, the more calls you do, it's going to lower. Right, calls, right. For sure. And then, that, I mean, and I guess to put that in perspective for everyone, you're talking about an animal that would have not ever been recovered, most likely, because this person is resorting to calling somebody mm-hmm. to come help them find this animal. So Correct. they're at the end of their rope. Yep, yep, for sure. And, and just think about it this way. If somebody came, let's just say, out east, right? They came out here for a 10-day hunt if this happened on day one and they didn't call, what are they doing on day two? Looking for that animal. Right. Or they're going back and hunting another animal. Right. right? So that's where I go back to this is a uh, conservation tool. Right. So expend all effort into finding that animal. Even if you do grid search and you give me a call, you got good pictures of blood, uh, everything sounds legit. I'm probably going to come out, put the dog on it and uh, try to find your animal. That way you're not going back to hunt more. And shoot another animal. Right. And so what what are your um like do you do you charge people for your service? Like what are your fees? Like how do you I mean how do you make it worth it? Yeah, so uh technically it's it's like a gray area, right? Uh you can't like put a price up. Okay. Um because it's public land. Um if you got if you if you track under an outfitter, you can name whatever price you want. Uh, but we can ask to be, uh, dependent on the call, right? So if somebody calls me from Bailey and they're in the flat tops, I, I want to get my money back out of it. The flat tops for people who don't know that it's like a three hour drive. Yeah. Yeah. Up. I mean, it's out there. It's (laughs) out there. Yeah. 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 We got a few last year, but we we just want to get our money back for gas, fuel, food, whatever. Uh, we're not doing it for the money. Uh, once you recover an animal for somebody and you see their face, you are hooked. I mean, it's almost <laughs> like that's that's your animal too, right? It's, yeah, you know, it's it's wild. Interesting. So, I mean, that's a pretty awesome service you guys are providing. I mean, if you if you find yourself in the scenario you're in Colorado and you need to, you know, use that service, I just think, uh, yeah, a make sure you pay at least for the gas fees to go out there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, that's interesting. I didn't know that it was kind of a, a gray area. Like, you know, you, you had to like tip somebody to do it basically. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish it could be changed a little bit. You know, people can go shed hunt and then sell the sheds, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then we're also, you know, we're doing it in Wyoming as well. We got trackers in Wyoming. Uh, we'll take tracks in Southern Wyoming. Uh, Wyoming, you don't have to have a, uh, a tracking permit. Okay. Uh, it's just got to be on a leash and you got to recover it within 72 hours. Of the time that you of call the, you or? Of the time of the shot. Of the time of the shot. Okay. Interesting. 
So typically, you know, um, here in Colorado, we're, we're not allowed to track at night. You can, but you got to get permission. So we would have to call the dispatch, try to get permission. So typically we'll get a call midday afternoon. And if we can't get that permission, we have to wait till the following morning anyway. Huh? Wow. Okay. Dang. Yeah. When, uh, when you guys are, we talked earlier, you said that you can track anything in Colorado except for bears. Correct. Is that the same in Wyoming? Oh, you can track bears in Wyoming. Okay, so you can track bears yeah. in Wyoming. Yeah, we'll, we'll be tracking some here in the next few months when the season starts. And is that, I mean, I guess in Colorado, they're just trying to limit the amount of dog and bear interaction or? Well, I think it's the political climate here in Colorado. Uh, so we had a, we had a meeting with uh, a CPW officer and I brought that up. I'm like, hey, this is a leash dog. We're not letting it off the leash. Right. We want to be able to track bears. He said, don't touch it. Wow. You know, don't Interesting. Even, don't even go there. Well, I mean, we were chatting earlier and you're asking about the move to Wyoming. That's kind of one of the reasons, you know, we, we, the political climate's a little more, uh, it's a little happier with hunters there in Wyoming than it is here. Um, with uh, going back to you and kind of getting into this, getting into, a, 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 I guess, a brand new hobby, have you done a hunting season here yet or are you still in the training process? I haven't got, my dog's not been on a track yet. I'm still in the training process. Um, I've hunted here in Colorado, but I haven't taken any tracks with my dog yet. Um, so hoping to get some this fall. Um, nice. I had taken a couple of years off to have kids. So <laughs> <laughs> that takes up a lot of time. But yeah, trust me. I'm, me and my wife are in that right now. <laughs> yeah, so this is my first year kind of coming up out of the hole. So I'm hoping to to get a, a tag for by my house so I can get out and get out as much as possible. And it, if... So you, you were talking about you have to have a permit, be licensed here. Is it license or permit? I mean, it's, it's a permit. It's a permit. Yeah. So if you're an individual person and you got in and you hear this podcast and you're like, you know, my dog smells really well. I want to try to get into this. Is it something you could apply as an individual or? Yep. yep absolutely. As long okay. as you've got a CID number, you can go down to the, your local CPW office and tell them you want a tracking permit. I will say that uh, there's not a lot sold in Colorado, so they may not know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, okay, so it's kind of something you have to know what you're doing before you get into the process. Well, yeah, because the people that are working at CPW uh, a lot of times don't even know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> they're like, hey, it says the black book back there. Just grab that. You know? <laughs> and so you go, is, is after you apply, is it you're, is it pretty much automatically granted? Or are you having to show some oh, stuff? No, no, you get it. You get it the same day. You go okay. in, pay the $40. Uh, you know, last year they they were asking, you know, what what units are you wanting to track in? And I was, you know, you'd be like, all of them. And they're like, oh no, you gotta you gotta put some units down. So I don't know what where the call's gonna come from, right? Uh, we was able to get that changed this year to a statewide. Okay, so it's so just a statewide just, permit. You just tell them if they do ask, just tell them statewide. They'll write statewide down, and you have to have that with you at all times. They're gonna give you. Uh, a booklet that's going to give you all the offices and game warden uh, na names and phone numbers mm -hmm. for each area. So that way you know who to call before you take the track. Okay. And are you, I'm assuming mountain lions are still, you're allowed to track mountain lion after if it you shot it in a tree and it ran off, would you be able to use dogs to track that or is that yeah. a gray area too? Yeah, no, you can still use dogs. Uh, that's not something we get a call for because- Typically, people who are hunting mountain lions already got lion dogs. dogs. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So we we've never received a call like that, but you could. You could theoretically, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, 
And so, yeah, somebody gets interested. They want to start their own tracking dog. Would they go to your guys's Facebook group or do you have a website that there's some knowledge base on? Yeah, no, I, I would go to the Rocky Mountain Big Game Recovery Facebook group. Okay. Because uh, there we're going to be advertising the seminars. Uh, you can ask lots of questions. It's going to be Colorado, Wyoming, Utah centric. So it's, you know, out west. Um, and then that's that's where you're going to get your foot in the door for sure. And if it, if you have somebody who's up and coming like Lindsay and they want to start to, are you, do you guys, are you, if you get a call, are you going to give her some just tracks to go on or, I mean, how does, how does that kind of work? Yeah, it, it just depends. Uh, yeah, I'll feed her calls. Uh, but you, you would, the best way to go about it is to go to unitedbloodtrackers.org. Just kind of register? Uh, yeah, it's, it's $50 a year. Um, and then that's where you get majority of your out-of-state calls from. They're going to go to that website. They're going to click on Colorado, and it's going to show a list of all the certified or all the trackers that paid into that. Mm-hmm. And then typically they'll call everybody. Oh, okay. Uh, so, you know, I'll, I'll call Scott. Hey, did you get that call? He's like, yeah, I got that call. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm not taking it, you know. Uh, so, yeah, we had some pretty interesting calls last year. Uh, like what? Give me, give me a good one. All right, I'll give you a good one. Uh, so my brother-in-law was out. We were we were elk hunting. Uh, I got a call right when we got back to the truck that night, and this guy, he was 74 years old. He's from Michigan, and he drew the only any-season moose tag for Unit 28. Wow. As a non-resident. It was just one of them. <laughs> he comes all the way out here. He, by himself... Starts hunting with a crossbow. He decided to come out and shoot it with a crossbow. Wow. All right. With a swacker broadhead. <laughs> and he calls me and says, hey, you know, I didn't get a pass through. Don't know where I hit it. Uh, so I started asking questions, you know. And then one of the questions I was kind of concerned with was, do you have any help if we find it? And he had no plan. <laughs> he was just going to pack out a moose by himself? 74 years old, by himself. <laughs> uh, he... <laughs> He's like he said that he had some uh, that he saw some other hunters down the mountain. He's gonna ask them. It's an awful nice hunters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's stuff like that. Yeah. Wow, that's hilarious. I, we actually we just were talking about uh, earlier crossbows and they were kind of the role they play in the greater scheme of hunting. So uh, we were, we don't have to get into that. But that's interesting that <laughs> that, that that's how that happened. Yeah. Um, if you were uh, ha- I guess uh, what what would you hope to see uh, get getting the knowledge to Colorado folks like how how do you how do you would you like to see more people from local Colorado folks calling you and getting information or I mean really you don't want anybody calling you right right uh, I just I just want everybody here in Colorado to know that it's legal and yeah. we're here if you need our help right uh, because you I'm so surprised even you know we had a booth that. Colorado bow hunters banquet mm. last weekend and uh, several well well known people in the hunting industry had no idea yeah zero idea that it was legal here I, I think that's the biggest hurdle is just being able to let everyone know that something that you can you know I mean just like anything any other tool I, you know I, I can see people's um uh you know their want to keep hunting is I don't want to say traditional but as pure as possible right but if you're using a rangefinder, if you're using GPS, if you're using you know modern synthetic materials on your hunting gear, you're taking advantage of 
you know, every option you can to try to be as successful as you can. And yeah. especially for folks who are, you know, uh, maybe don't get to come out here all the time, maybe don't get to hunt all the time, even if you do live in Colorado, mm -hmm. it's something you, if you do get a shot on the animal, you want to utilize every tool you can to get it back. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that kind of goes back to the whole grid searching thing. Like you want to tell the hunter, don't grid search, but the hunter's going to grid search. Yeah. I, I've been there. Trust me. Right. You're going to grid search. But even if you, if you exhausted that effort, there's still us, you know, we can still put a dog on it. A dog can smell a hundred thousand times better than we can. Right. Right. Um, so it's, it's definitely worth the effort. Uh, if you can get somebody out, I mean, depending on when the call comes in, they may not be, be anybody that, that will take the track. That's but, available but worth to do the call. it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so is there, um, I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to ask is the, you said the best way possible, if you're in this scenario is just go to unitedbloodtrackers.com. Dot org. Dot org. Yeah. Sorry. And they're going to have a list in whatever yeah. state you're in. There's a spot is find a tracker. You'll see the, the map of the U S it'll show you everything in every state in green is legal. You click on the state you're in, it'll show you a list. Our names will populate with phone number, where we're located at. And there's usually a comment box on like, the areas that we like to track in or okay. whatever, or how far we'll go. Right. Right. Um, and is there, um, I mean, is there anywhere in Colorado you won't go? You're just like, ah, it's too far. <sighs> I'm probably about four hours is as far as I'm going to go. Yeah. Uh, just depending. <laughs> Again, I mean, just doing it out of the goodness of your heart, really. That's a long drive. Well, I'm, I'm doing it more so because I get, I get satisfaction out of right. recovering the animal, but yeah, that is a really long way to go. And, you know, I work a full-time job and, uh, I got a family and I got three kids. So, I mean, it's, that's Dang. a big pull. Yeah. yeah Typically a... three is about the most I'd want to go, but I'd, I'd do four. I wouldn't go like, if I get a call in Durango. Yeah. You're just like, sorry, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look for somebody over there. Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, I think that's why we're trying to build a network too, right? Yeah. So, right. you know, it's, it's building a network of people that you, if you can't take the call, you have somebody else on the phone, you, know, you can call and say, Hey. I can't take it, but my buddy so-and-so might be able to take it. So I think that's part of the mission statement, too, of mm -hmm. On Track and um, Rocky Mountain is to help people get those resources to get on board, like myself, um, get them in the program, get their dogs trained, um, and, and get them on that program. So that way we can give hunters the biggest area possible, the most resources possible. Um, and, and so if they ever find, find themselves in that situation where they can't find an animal that we have a lot of people that we can kind of reach out to, to kind of help out. And can you guys, uh, is it can multiple dogs go on a track? If you have multiple handers, handlers? Well, yeah. Yeah. It's one dog per handler, but yeah, you could put two. I wouldn't really recommend it. Uh, maybe if you had two handlers and two dogs, run them one at a time. Um, they just to distract each other. Or yeah. What? Yeah. Uh, depending on the personality of the dog, like if, if my dog Bailey was on a track and then Lindsay had her dog Sizu right behind us, my dog's going to miss stuff because she's so competitive. Okay. She's going to go too fast, go too hard. And she's going to miss stuff. So. Yeah. Interesting. And what can I explain if you were to DIY track your, your own stuff? Um, are your dog, if you're going on a hunt, are your dogs hanging back at the house until something's happening? Are they ever in, in the car or are they in, in camp? Like where's the, when's the, when do they step in, I guess, kind of? Yeah. So I know Scott, he'll, he'll go hunting 
do almost like deer hunting in the south, right? Go in the morning, dogs are in the truck, in the, in the camper of the truck, uh, come back out, go hunt in the afternoon. Uh, I haven't done that. Um, I may do it this year uh, just because I know that as soon as September 2nd hits, I'm going to be getting phone calls every day. Right. And if I'm already out there, why not, you know, mm-hmm. take, right. take it in the, uh, that next morning or whatever, and that way I don't have to drive all the way back to get the dog. So, Right. Um, but no, I mean, we don't go hunting with the dog by our side or anything like that. <laughs> right. No. <laughs> that would be impressive. Yeah. Uh, do you ever have any problems with dogs uh, just being too loud, being barking or anything like that, the pushing animals that are maybe bedded down? I mean, no, my dog, my dog don't bark. Um, she she's solid on the trail, on the track the whole time. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, she here. she won't even let you know if she found it. Oh, really? She, you'll just walk up to her and she's sn- she's licking the nose of the elk or something, you know? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, and it. it is it uh is it something that um when it when you're coming down to God, how how do I want to phrase this when you're coming down to selecting uh the track you're gonna go on are you thinking about uh the man I don't even know how how I want to say this are you thinking about how uh the success or failure of it is gonna affect the dog. You know, could could you break a dog? I guess that's what I'm trying to ask. Like, could you get to a dog that was a it was a great tracker and then it's unsuccessful three or four times in a row and it kind of is like I don't want to do this anymore. Well, typically early on, you early on, like when, when you're training that dog and it's and it's ready for its first track, you want those first couple to be guaranteed. Okay, to be a guarantee, and which is hard to do when you're when you're here in Colorado and you're tracking for individuals, right? You know, down south, you can tell your buddy, hey, man, you shoot a, shoot a deer, give me a call, and put a dog on it, train it up, you know. Right. Uh, you can't really do that here too much. I mean, every now and then you may get lucky. Uh, but, so you really have to screen those calls like, oh, that's, and they send you a picture of blood, and you're like, yeah, I'll be there. Right, okay. You know? Yeah, I didn't know if there was like uh, certain times when you would, I don't know, set them up for success, you go on a hunt. You make a great shot. You know the animal's down 100 yards. You watch it, and you're like, oh, I'm going to go grab my dog. We're just gonna sniff this blood trail. I know the animal's done. It's right there. You yeah, know? that's that's great for a, for a young dog. Yeah. Interesting. Um, wh- is there anything else you guys want to touch on? I want to make sure that you know we get all the information out. You guys want to get out? Uh, yeah. I mean, we can just pass on that. You know, the Pope and Young uh, organization has a position statement uh, for tracking dogs, and you know they're a hundred percent on board with uh, accepting a record book entry. Uh, the dog must meet all the uh, local requirements concerning training and, license, and licensing. Uh, the use of limited to one dog, which is state rule anyway. Uh, and then you got to make that recovery within 48 hours of the shot. Okay. To go into the books. But I mean, that's, I think that's a great endorsement though, to at least know that, you know, if anyone's on the fence about feeling like they can't use a dog for recovery. Right. Um, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think it's just part of being an ethical hunter, too. Exhausting every option that you have available at your fingertips. Um, Don't feel bad about reaching out for help. I mean, that's kind of what we're here for. We're a community. We're a network. Um, You know, we're we're willing to help out our fellow hunters because God knows I've been there before. If you hunt long enough, Mm -hmm. you're going to be in that situation. And I can think back on so many times where I've been like, God, I wish I would have had a dog. Yeah. (laughs) You know, especially some of these people that you know, have these high point units that they're hunting, you know, they've been waiting for 10, 15, 20 years. 
and you arrow in a big bull and you can't find it and it's just like you know you want to make sure that you give that animal the respect that it deserves to try to find every effort possible to get that animal recovered so um i I think that it should be a toolkit in every person's pack when they go out there with them to have the number already stored in their phone yeah and you know if you guys need help you can just it's like Ghostbusters dial us up, you know. <laughs> no, I think that's a, gr- a great point that uh, you know if, if you're going to be prepared and you're especially you're you have maybe this is your your first or second or third or fifth elk hunt. You're not an expert tracker yet, or you're going to a unit you've never been in before. Having that number preloaded in your phone, or at least having it down at the truck or something like that, I, I think that's a great uh, t- you know tip for everyone, just because it, you never know when you're going to need it. Right. Um, I, I think the biggest thing is just figuring out it was illegal. I mean, again, I, I, I had no idea. And it being such a recent law, uh, I, I think I, hopefully a lot of people get the word out and then make sure that they, if they do need it, can utilize it. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Um, is there, uh, is there any, like you said, d- try not to grid search, but if there's any other things that you could do to increase the odds of, uh, the, you know, unfortunately having to, to get a dog to come in to help you out, but increase the odds of that happening. Is there any, any other kind of yeah, tips? I, I would say, which most hunters do this anyway, is uh, most everybody out there is using Onyx nowadays. Uh, marking, marking the shot. Because uh, some of the stuff we'll ask in those questions again is, uh, hey, send me a drop of the closest place we can get a truck. Okay. And then send me a drop of where you shot the animal. And then send me a drop of the last blood. We're obviously going to meet them there at the truck. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about everything. And then, you know, we'll have the hunters always want to be involved. They'll they'll be 50 yards behind us. But having those drops uh, and then even even if you're blood tracking – Set a track on the Onyx. Mm-hmm. Save that track. That's that's all tools we can use once we get the dog in there. And uh, you were saying you got one ram this year. Yeah, we we didn't recover it though. But you you or at least were on the track of it. Oh yeah. Oh, dang, oh, that's yeah. uh. Well, you guys way up in the mountains. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we was up uh up near Berthoud Pass. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was it was a pretty cool track, uh, but. You know, we, uh, the guy that laid, uh, toilet paper down, <laughs> you know, for each blood whenever yeah. they tracked the blood. Wow. Um, my dog was on it for a while and it was going down, 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 down. And it got to the point where you couldn't go no further down. It oh, was it was just straight, straight cliff. Yeah. That's what I was wondering. It's if you get to a point where like, uh, you know, you're tracking some of these things and you know, the dog could find it, but it's just, it's in a place you, no one can get to. Yeah. Yeah, well, that that was really the only instance last year where that happened. Uh, and coming up the other way would almost be impossible. I mean, it was almost a sheer cliff. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's I mean, that's just part of it, hunting up in the mountains, especially. Right. I mean, and anybody who doesn't know, Berthoud Pass has like some of the highest winds around. It's crazy. It's a it's a it's way up there. It was September first, so it's the day before opening day of uh, elk season last year. Uh, that night, as soon as it got dark, it started sleeting on us. Wow. Yeah. I mean, we are you, there. so are you sometimes having to go out, camp with the hunter, like sleep out in a tent with the hunter, or are you mostly, if you know you're not going to be able to do it that night, you're waiting and coming out with a truck in the morning? Yeah. That, the latter. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I didn't know if you ever got into a situation where you're like, well, I got to camp here tonight. Well, um, uh, if I would have taken the track last year, 
which I almost took in the flat tops, I would have definitely camped in my truck. Went ahead, go out there, sleep in the truck, be there first thing in the morning, ready to take the track. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, do, I don't know if you've had experience with this yet or not, but does snow affect it better, worse? Is it something? Okay. So what a lot of hunters don't know, if they're not uh, involved with dogs for tracking purposes anyway, is uh, like last year, uh, I get a call for an elk. Uh, the guy shot it that afternoon or the past afternoon. He called me that morning. He's like, man, we got, you know, we got snow coming in. We got rain coming in, blah, blah, blah. Well, like, that's great. That's, that's perfect. Really? Because what it does is when you get a rain, uh, it keeps that scent right there on the ground. Oh. All right. So what happens is if it's sunny and it's dry, that is the worst tracking conditions you can ask for, especially if that animal crosses like an open meadow. Oh. Then that scent really just shoots up in the air and it's gone. Huh. So when you're tracking and you get to like an open meadow, you'll you'll a lot of times you'll notice your dog can't figure it out and you'll what you'll have to do is walk around that meadow until that dog picks up the scent in the woods again. Huh. Yeah. So a uh, little bit of snow is great. Uh anything over about three to five inches is is really gonna be bad for the dog <laughs> yeah because uh, they will paw at the ground and sniff you know paw the snow up uh melting snow is terrible oh really it is i don't know why i don't know why and i've just seen that in my tracks with my dog it's just like house. it gets trapped in there somehow I don't, yeah it's like we'll we'll lay a, i'll lay a track for um and then we'll go back the next day and i'll run her the next day uh and if that snow has started melting she has, a, she has a tough time with it. I mean, she'll find it most of the time, but she'll have a tough time with it. Interesting. Huh. And is it something you guys are constantly, you know, is it like uh, riding a bike? The dog, once it learned, it's 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 good to go pretty much any time? Or is it something you're constantly kind of honing the, the, the steel? Uh, you always want to, you know, give them a track here or there for sure. Uh, I run my dogs two to three times a week, every week. Um. Right now, we're just running Lindsay's dog once a week, and then she's doing some training tracks of her own at the house. Uh, I mean, I know my buddy Lance. I'm sure he's not training his dog year-round, but his dog has been doing it for seven years. So I, th just... I think once you hit a, a certain amount of tracks and recoveries, they just kind of know the deal. Okay, yeah. okay. But it's not like there's, you know, a, once it, once they've gotten to a certain level, you don't have to do super tricky advanced. They they've got all the tools no. in their bag. Yeah, because when you're when you're when you start training them, you know you're starting very basic, and then you're getting very tough. Well, it really gets good training for them whenever they get the real track. Mm -hmm. that, that's where they start learning stuff. That's where they got to start putting all the stuff together in their head to figure it out. And the more tracks they get, the better that dog gets. And do you ever find, uh, you know, if somebody pure stomach shot there's not a ton of red blood but i mean there's maybe a little bit here and there but it's mixed in with other stuff mm -hmm. is that a, is that a, a real tough track or is that they got that oh that's I, i'll take that track any day oh really yes so that's something that they they can smell even more even way more wow way more if it's a stomach hit i'm all if somebody calls me and says i i 100 gut shot itself i'm i'm coming I mean, that's, I mean, if, if that doesn't convince some folks, I mean, I'm sorry, if you have, if you've been hunting elk for, you know, less than four or five years and you've, if you only put a one or two down on the ground, you're going to have a gut shot at one point in time. And it's just the, they're so big, the, yep. the, every way they can move so quickly 
that, uh, I mean, that's the advertising right there. If you gut shot an animal, man, just call the dogs. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. The one she recovered last year was, a it was a liver gut hit. Um, uh, it bled for probably 50 yards. And then the other 950 yards was straight up the mountain in deadfall with no blood, but the, the thermals were coming down and my dog literally was just going straight to it. Oh, I mean, um, and that's, that's an animal that would have not been found no, without the dogs. No, they, they have already grid searched. They, they exhausted everything. And then they called me. Wow. Yep. And they, they wasn't even close. Once we got to the elk, they marked it and then they looked at their tracks. They, they wasn't even close. Wow. Dang. That's really cool. That's really cool to hear. Um, well, do you guys have anything else you want to add? I, you know, I would love to, for you guys to get whatever information you want out. Uh, no, I mean, uh, check us out on, uh, Instagram at, uh, on track, big game recovery. Uh, I'm starting up a, I just started up a YouTube channel, uh, on track, big game recovery. We're going to, uh, Lance back in Kentucky. He's, he's involved with this as well. He's going to be coming out here in September. I'll be going out there in November to track for him. We're going to video all the recoveries this year. Awesome. Um, put, put them on YouTube for everybody to check out. So it should be a good time. That's awesome. What about you? I think, you know, if, if you're like me, you're probably like thinking, oh, this guy's going to get all my great hunting spots, right? I'm giving him all these <laughs> onyx drop points and all this stuff, right? Um, all this stuff is confidential. Um, we're not going to blast it out to all of our buddies and like, hey, I got this new elk hunting spot for you. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so no, we, we keep that pretty close to the best because that's, that's our business. That's good to address that because I guarantee there's going to be somebody right now being like, oh, those MFers are going to steal my hunting spots. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I got calls last year where it was a draw unit, right? Or maybe it was ATC, but the guy was like, oh, because I was like, you know, I, I, I need to know where to park. Yeah. I need to know where you hit the bull. He's like, oh, I don't, are you going to share this with anybody? I'm like, no. <laughs> no, and I'm not gonna go down there and hunt your spot either. You know, I got my own spots. And yeah, I'm having to be picky on when I hunt now anyway because I'm tracking. So yeah, exactly. No, that's funny. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad you guys addressed that. Yeah. Uh, and then, so I wanted to touch on real quick again what we talked about earlier. You guys are having this seminar coming up in Wyoming, July 23rd and 24th. Right. It's a two day event. It's on a private ranch uh, in Centennial, Wyoming. Okay. Yep. Uh, you can go to our Facebook. Uh, Facebook group page uh, on track. Or no, I'm sorry, Rocky Mountain Big Game Recovery. Uh, we'll be advertising probably for the next few months uh, to sign up for the seminar. And if it's something you want to do, sign up, and we'll see you out there. Awesome, awesome. Well, I uh, thank you guys so much for coming down here. I, I really appreciate you guys spending some time with us and uh, at least shedding some light on the fact, you know, that you guys can be utilized to find your animals on public and private land here in Colorado and Wyoming. Uh, and, uh, man, this is the gut shot thing alone. Somebody's going to find an animal who gut shot it. So that's awesome. Yep. All right, guys. Well, anything else? That's it, man. Well, we're good. Cool. Thank you guys so much. Thank you.